0: All right, to the question though of today, for today, uh, I picked some of my, uh, I thought, quick Googled best series of books. Uh, some were a surprise. Uh, there was someone who has Airbud in the top 10 greatest movies series of all time. Anyone else, Airbud fan? Any of the sports? And then they, I guess they turned into puppies, snow buddies, and little buddies. Wow. Get on that. You can do it this summer, everyone. Try to, try to do all the Airbuds. Anyone else? I'd love to hear, what are some of the series you guys just love? Like a book series? Maybe some of us need a little uh, suggestion for our summer reading. Anyone? Just yell it out. Nothing. None of you have read books? <laughs> I heard, I could just hear in the room, people say uh, the, Ho- the Hobbit, Lord of the Rings series, Narnia, Harry Potter, Indiana Jones? Anyone, Indiana Jones trilogy? Uh, Back to the Future. I know one person in our church who loves the Back to the Future trilogy. Uh, Anna Green Gables. I got one half whoop. All right. We we love these, right? These are these epic, in fact, uh, they make lots of money maybe like star wars on on us knowing we love this world that was created and all the stories in it we love when the book comes out or the movie of like the random little side story that explains the one little thing from the other movie that's from the other movie we love all these great stories because they tell this amazing tale that we get engrossed and we find ourselves in the story stories really change us and uh pull us in they, they often take us to another place I think of my first times when I was young reading books that my teacher recommended, I think you'll like this, and thinking, I don't like books. And then all of a sudden finding myself caught in a story, laying in bed thinking about what would happen next. There's something that happens when we're in a narrative and a story together. And that's what we're gonna do this summer. We're gonna spend our time on Sundays, uh, and hopefully maybe outside of Sundays, looking at the story of the Bible in just 16 verses. Um, this is based out of a book that was written. It's just a kind of a devotional short book that just says, hey, what if we looked at what is the Bible itself when we open it up? There's a lot of words in this. There's a lot of books within the Bible and lots of stories or poetry. What do we do with all this? And what we want to do is just take some time to say, let's just consider what is the whole story of Scripture and what does that mean for us? And so let's, it's broken down just into 16 verses. Um, uh, at least little stories or moments in Scripture and how that story builds uh, and roller coasters and how it, it hits a pinnacle with Jesus and, w- and how it's going to end. We actually know how it's going to end, which is pretty incredible. We're actually in it still. Um, and so that's our hope, is that we can get kind of caught up in this story, reminded of story. Here's the stops we're going to make, kind of stops or episodes or chapters of this great story from creation all the way to glory. We're going to spend this summer... In 14 weeks, we're going to do 16 verses, so some weeks we'll be doing two, this week we'll be doing two. Um, so we're excited for this. This is our series this summer. Um, we did create something online uh, that maybe you saw this week in the update, and we'll keep putting it all summer, just a PDF of what all the stops are in the scripture, um, and so maybe it's an opportunity for you just to ma- memorize those or uh, read those in your own devotional time, maybe it's an opportunity as a family to, to think through what are these kind of important stops throughout scripture, and, and how do they connect so that we don't miss the whole story because something that just happened to us in our home recently that reminds me of why this is so so important we were watching a marvel movie and our, our youngest daughter had not seen marvel movies yet she hasn't really seen any of them but uh my, zoe and i were watching the end of a marvel movie that's you know there's a million marvel movies that's like kind of in the middle of the story of marvel movies and our youngest said can i watch the end of it and i was like yeah, i think this would be okay it won't scare you um so she sits down with us, right next to me, and she says, let me watch the last half an hour of this Marvel movie with you that takes place many movies in to a very complicated, long story. And for the next half an hour of my life, I asked, was asked questions in my ear. <laughs> like, who's that? Probably off 50 times. Who's that? Now, who's that? What's that? Why are they wearing that? I was asked questions like, why are they angry at that person? That guy seems very angry. <laughs> that guy should maybe take a little time out to reset. <laughs> Sanger. Who's that guy? Is that a bad guy or is that a bad guy? That one doesn't seem bad. Oh, maybe he is bad. Sometimes you don't know what to say. Can she fly? Why can't everybody fly? <laughs> is that guy a robot or is he a person? I'm kind of confused. Understandable. And my favorite, she said, was, why do they keep destroying all the buildings? <laughs> Great. That's actually a really good question. So it really wasn't fun to watch the end of the movie uh, at all. I thought, I... I can't explain this. It would take me, that's why they made a bunch of movies. I also don't know if you even really care. I also understand. If you hop in just the middle of a story, especially the end of a Marvel movie is when the giant battle and everything comes together and there's like a twist during this. And I was like, oh my goodness, that's so cool. And she's like, why is that cool? And you're like, well, because you got to know who this is and this and then that guy double-crossed that guy and then like, there's no way I can explain any of this. When we hop in the middle of the story, We miss the build to this incredible moment. We miss even why that is an incredible moment. We don't know why this scene is good or meaningful or even why it's needed. We don't understand why the death of a character would matter. Or we don't really even understand how the story all fits together. We can miss the whole story even though we got to see a part of the story. Even even if we get to see maybe a whole movie, we still don't really know how that fits in or where that goes. Even I still watch Star Wars movies. And I still don't like. I don't. I'm still Googling. Where does this fit in Star Wars? <laughs> I don't get what's happening. Is that Yoda or is that a baby Yoda? I don't get what's happening. So our hope then this this summer is to take an opportunity to just slow down and, and walk through what is the big story. I know this hits me because I remember. Uh, being uh, early in youth ministry and sitting with a kid. And I remember the light bulb moment as we sat in a small group with high school guys and he said, oh, there's more to this story than just Jesus dying on a cross. I said, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, cause I think he rose too. That week we had apparently, (laughs) hopefully talked about that. He had heard many, many times, Jesus died for you, Jesus died for you, Jesus died for you. And he did not have any of the rest of the story which really makes not much sense. And actually, you can come to a lot of really unhelpful conclusions if all you think of is there's a guy who died on a cross for me. What does that mean? And so I want us this, this summer to take some time to really figure out what that means. Oh, here's a picture of the PDF if you'd like to know what it looks like. Uh, you, can, you can check this out. I think it'll be helpful. I'm excited just myself to kind of meditate on these verses as we go through it um, throughout the summer. Three big questions we're going to ask, which could be helpful in any study, but we're going to ask these as we go through this story so that we don't lose track of kind of what we're trying to do here, is we want to really understand what does this tell us about God? His character, the relationships he has, even his own motives. What does this tell us about who God is? Secondly, we want to ask the question, what does this tell us about us or people? What is this passage we're in, this narrative we're in, or where even this fits in the timeline of the story of scripture. What does this tell us about our own identities, our own purpose, or even the actions we are called to take or not called to take? What does this tell us about that? And lastly, we want to make sure that we, get to, we connect this to Jesus. If in the scripture, uh, there's a point that when Jesus rises from the dead, he meets these people on a road who are very distraught because Jesus had died, but they don't recognize him. He doesn't look like Jesus or he doesn't allow them to see him fully. And he, exp- he opens the scriptures to them. You may remember this story. And he's, they say he has like a little Bible study with them about the scriptures and, he, and shows them how all of scripture is about him, points to him. And it says their hearts burned within them. They had this like the greatest Bible study ever, ever, ever with Jesus himself. And he opened up the scripture to say, it's all about me though, because I want, I want you to worship me. And so we want to make sure we don't lose in the story just that we know all the plot points, but that we are encouraged again to be reminded that this story all continues to point us to Jesus as our hero and as really the cornerstone of the gospel of this good news. This week I was talking to a friend about this and he says, oh yeah, just like in National Treasure, which is another great series of two movies. If you've ever seen the movie National Treasure, there's just a million of these like made up. I'm assuming <laughs> uh, historical moments, and Nick Cage has to like solve all these like kind of puzzles. It's like a giant escape room. It's very fun, um, and in it he finds these glasses. I think Benjamin Franklin made it or something. And when you adjust them just right, the Declaration of Independence uh, or the Constitution reveals a secret message. Don't believe that's true, but um, he said every time I see that movie, it makes me think of Jesus because it's like we put on these glasses. And we realize, oh, these all are pointing to Jesus. And so in a way this week, we're, this, this summer, we're excited to say, hey, let's look at this story. Let's read it through. But also we know what happens, that Jesus dies and he does rise from the dead. He does ascend to heaven. He is king. And one day he will come back and make all things right. And so let's not miss that. And we can look back through scripture with those lenses on and see, and see what that means. So here we go. We're going to start this week uh, and hop into our first stops on the story. One of the cool things we're going to—we have a, a kind of a little story. It's a very run-on sentence, a very long run-on sentence that we're going to learn all summer. It's going to help us understand the the real meat of the story. And so we start our story of God and His people with this: God created a kingdom, and He's King. It's a good start. You picture us—we're all just sat down together. We all cracked open our our book. So, our first stop is creation, Genesis 1 And behold, it was very good. Now, this week we're going to do two stops in order to get through all 16 of our stops. And it's because they really go together well, God created the kingdom and He is King, but He made human beings to represent Him in that kingdom. So, stop two after creation today will be human beings. In the image of God, He created them. So, God creates things and He is King and He creates people to bear his image. Just take a little time to walk through these and, and discover who God is, who we are, and, and what does Jesus have to do with this? So we start with creation, our first episode. It's in Genesis 1, 31. This is at the end of uh, Genesis 1, which describes creation, chaos and, and darkness. God creates light and order. And he creates all the things. It's beautiful. And then it says, God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. We you know after this, God takes a rest on the seventh day, the Sabbath. This is incredible. So, God Himself has created all things. He actually spoke things into existence. He says, I would like trees, and then there's trees. It's incredible. I mean, beautiful. Like, if you could really capture that moment, we have this story beginning with a God who already exists saying, here is everything. He makes it all, and then I love this, he doesn't, doesn't just say God made stuff, he makes it all and then he declares it's good, actually very good. All of this is good. All these things, every one of them is good because our God is good and he makes good things, which might sound like, okay, Are we in kids' church? Is that it? God is good? (laughs) He makes good things? I I can't, I I don't know, I think every day of my life I realize how important it is I actually believe that our God is good and that he's a good king. We can't forget this. This is so important to our story. As we go through our story, this is something that we're going to see over and over missed and I think in my life, over and over missed that I either, either ignore this or I just deny it or I forget it. I forget that God is good. So what is a good, maybe a good king compared to a a not-so-good king? A good king would be faithful, one who wants to create, wants to bring order, wants to make good things. And maybe a not-so-good king would be one that was more fickle, maybe changed depending on the weather or depending on how the people around him were acting. Maybe a God who was more like a vending machine, I give you things and then you give me things or I withhold things, or like you don't deserve things, so you don't get things. That seems like a bad king, not the kind of king I'd wanna follow. A king who makes things, but maybe they're not good, or especially not very good. So I think how important, it is, as we start in our first stop, our first episode of the story, to, to establish this great truth that we have a good king, a good God who makes very good things and has made all things. Because I think when we forget that, our response to, uh, to him is different, right? If I don't believe God is good, it changes how I respond to him and people around me and creation around me. It changes how I pray. I don't pray if I don't think he's good or faithful. And we know right away, right off the bat, he makes good things and that he is good. So we move forward, then we, that's our beginning of our story. We go, oh, this is good. We have this good king who has made a kingdom. And what's in that kingdom? Well, there's all these beautiful things in creation, but kind of the center of it for him is this, these people, these human beings. So in Genesis 1, 27, 28, actually right before it in the story here, after we establish that we have a good king and a good God, we establish that he has made people. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So God creates all things and he creates these people and not just just like anything else, but he creates them in his image. They somehow... Points people and represent God in this place. So imagine this kingdom is built, the, the castle and all the lands around it, and it's all good. And then he makes people to fill it. The first part of this is helpful to understand: He creates us in his image. This language is very similar to language that we see uh, throughout all of time, but especially in ancient Middle Eastern culture that there would be gods, and they would have these representations, right? they either be idols or statues. This is one of my all-time favorite ancient gods because his name is Seth. And I think that's like, f- only because of the time we live in, Seth sounds like a guy I know, right? Like a, f- a friend. You're like, what are you doing that? Hanging out with Seth, playing video games. <laughs> but he's also the name of a god. I love it. This is Seth, the ancient Egyptian god named Seth, my buddy Seth. Uh, Seth he has other names too, but he's the God of strength. His name actually means strength in, uh, in Egyptian. <clears throat> he's the God of chaos, the God of destruction, of confusion, of evil and anger, and thought to be the God of storms. So if you were an ancient Egyptian and storms came through, maybe you messed up your, your agriculture or messed up your home or flooded your area. If chaos or confusion seemed to be around your life, Seth was probably responsible for it. I mean, Seth is a pretty angry guy. In fact, Seth plots to kill his brother, Osiris, and and does it. Um, He's seen as one that you need to go to, and you need to sacrifice to. You need to perform rituals or rites to. Maybe give him money or fruit or uh, whatever you've made so that he's happy with you, because otherwise storms and evil and chaos and confusion will come your way. People made this statue of Seth, not because they actually thought, I'm gonna, when I bring a fruit and lay it at his feet, and then I leave, the statue actually necessarily comes to life and eats that fruit, and then this statue won't come and bring a storm. But they made this statue because it was a picture, an image of who they thought was a god, Seth. And so they could come to it and get kind of an image of him and then give things to him as the way they interacted with their god. It was the way they actually coerced kind of their God or made a little arrangements so that their God would not bring them chaos. You also could actually bring him things to maybe encourage him to bring friends or not friends <laughs> chaos. Um, it surely isn't that different, right, than what we do. I've had some prayers like that. Hey, God, I wouldn't mind if you maybe did that to that guy. He's not very nice to me. So this image, Seth, Bears the image of this guy, the statue bears the image of Seth. So this is, I think, helpful for us to understand. People didn't actually think he did, but he they go here and this points them to this deity for them. And so the same language is used for us. But now it's it's different. God creates people in his image to represent him, to show off his glory. They're not God even if they might sometimes think so. They're not God. They just point people, others, at creation to God. They represent him. So it's interesting because unlike a lot of the culture around them and what we see like in the Old Testament and ancient cultures, there were statues, right? And God says, I'm going to make people my statues, my image bearers. They're going to like move and have life and they're going to like get into people's lives. They're actually going to go to people and they're going to represent me. And how is, how is that going to look? Well, one of the ways he kind of explains here, God blesses them. and He says to them, go and be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. So he says, this, this is how you're going to kind of represent me. You're going to go and you're going to grow things in numbers and also in like the land. And you're going to cultivate things and help them get better and stronger and grow and multiply. You're going to take care of the earth. You're going to get to be little creators because you're bearing the image of the creator. You're going to get to be creative in building and constructing and, and organizing and bringing order out of chaos. You're going to get to bring order and light and care and relationship. People will get to have a relationship with image bearers. They won't be rocks that were carved or metal that was formed, that's lifeless. You're going to have like fleshy, life-filled statues, image bearers of what God is like. You're going to grow things. This is incredible. Our God creates image bearers in a way that we get to help people experience who God is through like relationship. Like they can hug an image bearer of God and it hugs them back. Where Seth wouldn't hug you back. Hopefully that'd be... That would like be in a National Treasure movie, but that's not real life. God entrusted this with his people and he was with them and they get to live out this life of the creator to show people, isn't this incredible? This relationship, this care, this cultivating, this is what our God does. They get to live it out. And I think it's incredible because this is what changes people's lives. I would guess for many of us in the room, this is what changed our lives is encountering an image bearer of God and they, and they were bearing the image of God. That you sat with a friend who listened well and gave you a hug and cared about you and then at some point said, yeah, I, I know exactly how you feel. I, I feel alone and lost also. And it's been so good just to be reminded of who God is and how good he is to me and how much he loves me. How many times have we been in someone's life, the story of their life keeps pointing us back to who God is. Sit with a friend who's been through tragedy and we hear the story of how God still pulled them through and was faithful to them, that their hearts still could be full even in the midst of suffering. Our stories get to tell the story of God our creator and point to him and his goodness and people can go there, he's a good God. I see it in your life. This is what I, I think over and over I am convinced of, I, I went often when I was young uh, in college. When I first was in ministry, I had to go to these seminars on like how to do evangelism. So they'd give you some, you know, some helpful steps. Some like you go through this step and this step and this step. If they read the pamphlet, then at the end they can sign it. And it was really hard for me because I did, never had experienced that. I experienced people in my life, a soccer coach, a friend, Another really faithful friend through high school that was with me no matter what, who kept telling me about this Jesus, kept telling me about this God, and who just continued to really bear his image and their faithfulness and their goodness and their love towards me. And so I said, Hi, this is hard. I don't know if I can just meet with someone that I don't know and tell them these, because I feel like it took some time to actually get to know a person and let them bear that image. And I still think that is so powerful. In our culture and our lives, I think many of you have probably been influenced by that greatly. So I want to encourage us today. We have a good God, right? We hear this story. We have a good God who created a kingdom and he is king. He's not just sitting by himself in his kingdom, he made human beings to represent him in his kingdom. This tells us some very important things about our God and who we are, right? It answers some of those first questions. We have a God who is a creator and that he's good that we have been created not just to hang out, but we've been created to represent, to bear his image. We get to cultivate and care. We get to love, we get to show grace so that others would know of this good king and his good kingdom. A Couple things happen in my life that throw this off. I don't believe both of those things. Sometimes I believe God is not good and I believe I'm the really very good one. And so then I start turning my worship and my attention towards Drew because I think, God can't be good because these crummy things are happening. These terrible, evil things are happening around me. And so I don't believe the first episode of our, of our story here. It's so important. God is good. And I, and I start believing he's not good, but I am good. Or it, maybe it flips. Sometimes I have days where I go, God, you're so good, and I am just garbage, that's a common word of hanging out around uh, teenagers who hear people are garbage a lot. It's one that like triggers me. It's like, it's such a, it feels like such a terrible way to describe a person. And if we believe our story to be true, that God is good, we believe that people are, cannot be garbage. They're creating his image. This incredible responsibility and also this incredible uh, life, the purpose they've been given. Their identity is one of an image bearer of the king who created all things, the one good king. And so I can believe God is not good and I'm really good, or I can believe God is very good and I'm not good, I'm just terrible, and those around me are terrible, or maybe even God's really good, I'm good, but some of these people are absolutely garbage, and that affects how I treat Others, I can also sometimes believe that we're both just garbage. God, you're terrible, and I'm terrible. I have some days like that. I don't understand who I actually am. That I'm loved and cared for, that I'm made and created. I don't even know if is there a God that is good and did that. And there's days where I, I can believe the first two steps and chapters, episodes of our story. God is good, and He created us, and has made a kingdom. And he's given us this incredible position to bear his great image and to not just stand, but we get to move into all of the rest of creation and and represent him. What an an incredible job. So we answer the question that tells us who God is and who we are, reminds us of those great truths. Now many of you know the story. There's a bit of a spoiler. It, It doesn't keep going real well. In fact, We'll hear about this next week. People fall um, into sin. They turn away. And this is where we get to, to be reminded and pointed to Jesus. That Jesus shows up. These, these things happen throughout history. People turn away from this God. They forget those things. They act a lot like I act. Forgetting God's good or that I've been created good. To, to love him to care for him in his image, and actually we become people who are sinful, who are far from God. And so then thankfully, God sends his son, Jesus. The story just began, and now we can be reminded that there is one who actually came who is still king. Jesus born, a birth, humbly in a stable, but treated like a king by the wise men and the shepherds. A baby king comes to rescue his people again to kind of recreate to to reset this thing. He lives a perfect image-bearer life, glorifying God. Everyone who encounters Jesus experiences God, cuz he is God, but at the same time is showing us this is what it looks like to bear the image of God. He's actually anointed by Mary at one point like a king would be anointed. Like a king would be anointed when he went into battle or when a king would be anointed when he was buried. So he's signaling us. There's a king and he's still here and this is him. And he's still good. He rides to Jerusalem on a donkey, much like a king would, returning or entering into battle. We know that that was the week he did enter into battle to rescue his people back, that we could all be part of his kingdom. As he dies and resurrects, making a way for us to enter into that kingdom. The king's still pursuing his people, still desiring for his kingdom to be filled with his image bearers. He raises from the dead, ascends to his throne where he will always be king and always invites us into his kingdom. And one day we'll come back and make all things right and his kingdom stand forever and ever. When you read this passage, you get an opportunity to go like, oh, that's so good, but that's not real life. Because I on my way here read news that does not say that God is good and that people are good image bearers. True, but, can point us, but there, there is one who is a good king and a good image bearer who had, makes us new creations. One passage I've been kind of hanging on to this week is Colossians, it reminds us of these great truths and points us to Jesus in this passage. The Son is the image of the invisible God. Our God is, is, is there, it's Jesus. We can see him now, the firstborn over all creation. He is like the ultimate image bearer because he is God and comes to earth as a human. For in him, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. This speaks to both episodes of our tale today. Jesus is the one who created all things through him and for him. And he's the king over all things. And he's the one who makes us new. And he's the one who, who allows us to be image bearers again, who empowers us to be image bearers again. So as we end with our first couple episodes here, we're reminded that God created a kingdom and he is king, but he made human beings to represent him in that kingdom. We have this great call today, right? to be reminded of that and to be reminded of what our purpose is. Hopefully one of those things is one that maybe was uh, tweaked off a little bit in your life. You're going like, I don't know if I believe God's good. I don't know if I believe I was created for good. So that's our hope, is that we're going to stop here. We're going to have an opportunity this week to consider this. Meditate on this. Do, you, do we believe this? Is this true? This is the beginning of a story that I can't wait to continue to tell. Next week, on the story of the Bible in 15 16 verses, it gets dark. A snake shows up. There's some fruit involved. And darkness creeps into town. But there'll there'll still be hope. Always hope as we look to Jesus. I'm going to invite our worship team up so that we can worship Jesus together. Um, And as they come up, I want to encourage you in some ways we can respond to this good news that God is good and that he has created us with this great purpose. Do you know that we have a good living king and his name is Jesus? When I, when I first read the first stop of creation, I ha, my heart says, I, I want that. Very good is not how I tend to describe the world around me. It's really helpful for me to be reminded, do you know there is, there is still a good living king and his name is Jesus. When is it difficult for you to believe God created his kingdom and is king? It's, it's really helpful just to say those things, to consider that with a friend. It's really, to, to say it out loud, it's okay. This is really hard to believe that God is good or that he's even created me with a purpose. When is it difficult to believe that you were created in God's image? And who helps you remember the story of God and his people? Again, this is something we need to do together. Often we're deceived because the definition of being deceived is that you don't see it in front of you so we need someone else to say hey hey hey! don't forget don't forget the story the good story we also have an opportunity to respond not just by considering these reflecting on these but by taking communion which is a way for us to remember jesus said you can remember the sacrifice i made to bring you back into the kingdom uh, through my death and resurrection we do that out in the hallway here because we keep food and beverage out there and so there are uh communion supplies out in the hallway Please feel free as we sing our songs to head out and take communion and pray. We also have people in the back of the room available for you if you just want prayer. I just need another person to encourage me in the gospel and, and pray for me and over me. We'd love for you to be able to do that. Let me pray for us and we'll head into some time of worship together here. Lord, you are good. You have created this world, created us in it, And even though things are broken around us, you are still good. You are still on your throne. And that you, through your spirit, can make us image bearers of you. I pray not only that we'd believe your goodness, but we'd also be used and overflow to those around us, that others would see who you are, and they too would want to be part of the good king's kingdom. We love you, Lord. You're very good to us. Amen.